Um, yeah, just uh, two weeks ago, as we were just finishing off our series on uh, stewardship, about living a life worth giving, um, Wendy shared a message that we, I really felt was a springboard. As Aaron and I were talking about, uh, you know, you get these messages that it feels like God's really wanting to get your attention. Well, as Wendy was sharing this message, it, it actually became a springboard for the next couple of messages, our next series. Um, before we get into summer, it was like the Lord just wanted us to make sure that we talk about a little, in, in greater depth, what Wendy was sharing about. Uh, what Wendy shared about, if, you've, if you didn't know, you can look online, uh, go check it out, listen to it if, you've never, if you haven't heard it. Um, and what she talked about was that it was about stewarding our greatest gift. And it was a clear message that was given, all need family. Uh, and so our prayer this morning is that you absolutely felt welcome. If you're a new person, welcome. We, and if you haven't seen you in a while, welcome. We love you. We, if it's, it's meant to be for us this idea that we, as, church, we as a church, work as a family. But, because um, we are all members of the same household built on Christ, but what Wendy really provoked was this, about not just being satisfied with just becoming a welcoming church. There was a question that Wendy asked, and we're just going to keep asking this for the next uh, couple weeks. What she asked is this, who needs to be included in the family? See, it's not just good to be satisfied with, hey, we're such a welcoming church. The question is, how can we make those that maybe are meant to be in the church that are not even feel like they're meant to be? Who's meant to be in the family? So we are brought to the last commandment of Jesus given to his disciples before he left. Do any of you know what he said in Matthew 28? He said... Oh, and some can quote it. There we go. Way to go, Christopher. He said, go. And therefore, we're going to go through a series. We're going to talk about go. What does that mean to So this morning, uh, the title is, it begins by opening the door. Hospitality. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 to 15, and then we'll be jumping down to the bottom of the chapter as well. Now, I saw a comedian uh, who was talking about how his, he had his doorbell ring. And I, I listened to this guy. I just absolutely ha- was in hysterics. As he was sitting on his couch when his doorbell rang, and he shared this profound thought. Now, I'm going to try to describe what he was going through his head, and hopefully you'll, you'll catch it. He started like this. He said, there's a weird difference when your doorbell rings today compared to 20 years ago. You see, 20 years ago, when the doorbell rang, it was a happy moment. It was called company. It was absolutely profound that when that doorbell rang, suddenly everyone jumped off their couch. They leapt as suddenly there was this pronouncement that people had arrived. In fact, the kids would do this. They would run in, sliding in on their socks, waiting to open who's at the door. 
And what would happen is this. As soon as you, you didn't check to see who was outside, you just opened the door and, oh, oh my, look who's here. Look at, look. Honey, look at this cow. Look at this, look at him. What are you doing here? Well, I was in the neighborhood. I just thought I'd drop by and see the kids. Come on, come on. You came just in time. We were just about to have cake. No, no, we all know what happened at this point. What happened was this. When mom had set aside this special cake, the Sarah Lee, I mean that Sarah Lee cake that was of chocolate goodness, what had happened is when she was going to the store, she went and she said all the kids, kids, I'm going to get this special cake for company. So you better pray that company comes by because you're going to be eating those muffins until that, that special people come by. So what she do is obviously she sat down, she pulled off this and just brought this cake to the very center of the table and said, here, we're so glad to keep, have a slice. And then she'd say, oh, I'm so, would, would you like some coffee? How about some Sanka? Now, I know exactly what you're thinking. If you're, if you, you're a little bit of old school, right? Like that's really old school. All the youth were going like, what's that, a phone app? Like what's that, an iPhone app? Like what is that? Sanka. How many of you know Sanka? See? Youth. Mom had this special tin. It was this special tin of orange and brown goodness that was decaffeinated for all you old people. What happened was this. She would pull out the Sanka. She would, she would put it, well, here, would you like have a coffee? And, and you know, as they would just sit there and talk. And now it's amazing. And back then, they didn't have cell phones. There was no cell phones. In fact, what would happen is this. If the phone rang, guess what? Dad would stand up and say, nobody touched that phone. We got company. It was, it was amazing. Time just flew by. You spent hours talking and gabbing. And finally, oh, I, you know, I got to go. No, no, that's no worries, no worries. You know what? Next time when we're in your neighborhood, we'll come and visit you. You know what happens nowadays? You know what happens when your doorbell rings now? What, what the? What the? Everyone, get down! Get down! Get down! Shh. Mom, get down! Get down! I think they saw you! Quick, Mom! Do the army crawl! Get onto the floor! Quick! Okay, guys. Okay. Did anyone see? Okay, then they do the quick question. Uh, did any? Okay, okay. Did anybody invite anybody? Did you invite anybody? Did you invite anybody? Did you? Did you? Okay. No, no. You, did, you didn't invite. Okay, quick, quick. Okay, everyone. Uh, okay. Mom, there's a sword underneath the couch. Grab the sword. Mom, grab the sword. Make sure. Yeah, grab the sword. And of course, every time there was somebody who didn't hear the doorbell. So they come down the stairs, nonchalantly, kind of, uh, quick, get down. There's somebody at the door. think they saw us. What are we going to do? We got no cake. We got no Sanka. What are we going to do? We're, we're, we're doomed. You don't go and visit people nowadays. And then when he says this, he goes, and if you do decide to go visit someone, you have to phone from the driveway. 
You phone from the driveway. Uh, hello? Uh, yeah, it's me. We just wanted to come and check, see you guys. I got a couple buddies here. Is it okay if we approach? Uh, yeah, we'll just come to the side. Whoa, whoa, wait. Is, is that your mother in the window? What's she doing with a sword? I laughed because he, he was giving this incredible... Dis- I, I, what is it like compared to 20 years now? 30, yeah. <laughs> I love it because when, when Jesus says, go, it begins with, first of all, opening a door. And it starts with Hospitality. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to read now. Anybody want some Sanka? We're going to have some Sanka after the service, just so you know. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. Here we go. Jesus at the beginning, or in his ministry, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructed them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pay, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet and leave that house or town. But truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now, Jesus, we're going to just jump to the bottom because it's neat how he starts with this, but he'll also end with a thought. As he tells them that they'll face challenges, but the Spirit will help them, Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He's like, you know, it's going to be rough when you, when you go and do. When, I, when, you, when I'm sending you out, it's not going to be easy. But let's continue. In verse 40, he says, Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he's a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Would you like a prophet? Come on, how many of you like prophets? I like prophets. I mean, you get a little bit, you know, make $10, get a buck on that. That's a prophet. Come on. Joke. Oh, my word. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he's a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of water because he is a disciple, truly I'll say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus had already prepared, like, he had already taken the disciples to tell them, what does it mean? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They were accustomed to this idea of go. And before Matthew 28, which is what we're going to be focusing on, we're reading in Matthew 10. See how he kept saying, go. I'm going to send you. Go. Go. 
go. They probably were pretty used to this word. If you're following Jesus, he will say go a lot. And I love it because we shouldn't be surprised when following Jesus if he sends us out. Go. But who does Jesus send out? There's a remarkable diversity. We didn't read in the first couple parts who are this ragtag group of people he's saying go. There's incredible diversity. There's fishermen, brothers, a tax collector, uh, a, a zealous revolutionary. I would paraphrase that to an ultra-greenpeace advocate or activist. A tax collector? What would be a tax collector in our modern day age? should be like this. Maybe a, a parking enforcing officer or a meter maid or a tow, tow truck driver. Do you love tow truck drivers when they're taking away your car? I don't think so. And a betrayer. That's who he's sending to go. Jesus continues to send out this diverse group. Mothers, students, businessmen, nurses, musicians, teachers, accountants, marketeers, GIs, doulas. Is, is uh, Heather here? She's up dealing with the kids. Engineers. And you know what? He still will occasionally send out a betrayer. If you play me in a board game, I must confess I can be ruthless. But as he tells them to go, he actually, what I love in this passage, he gives them instruction and direction. But what he does is he starts with this. He says, starts with hospitality. I find it very, very fitting that we're starting this Go series by doing, look who's coming to lunch. Because I said, Lord, when did you start saying go? I know he did it at the beginning, go and make fishers of men, but this one was a really significant. I started to look to see where did he say, go, 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 go. And at this part where he talked to his disciples, he said go, but it's in the context of hospitality. It's like he's giving them direction. He says, let's start, though, at a, at a good pace. Because the definition of, of hospitality is this. It's the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward. The Greek actually would modify hospitality to mean this, to show love and affection to a stranger. Jesus says, I want you to go love people. I want you to go love, but I'm going to get you to start by this word, hospitality. It's kind of like this. Before you run, I want you to walk. Before you try to go do crazy, maybe get, get all excited, how about you practice? How about you learn to do something? Start really easy and small. Hospitality. So before you go, you got to open your door. See, when you enter the person's home, Jesus said, you see hospitality. See, obviously the context of this passage is about sharing the good news and about going to someone who is hospitable. But at the end of the chapter, Jesus gives this really cool thought. He says, listen, 
If you even give a cup of water to who? A child. Oh, in my name. But he actually even says, who is this child? An unbeliever? An enemy? Someone who, you know, is lost? No, he says, to a disciple. If you give to your brother, he attaches what he was just talking about, about sharing the gospel, then saying, oh, by the way, if you give a cup of water to a brother, you too get a reward. And no less of a reward. Practice hospitality is what he says. Because when you give hospitality, when you're, it includes both giving and receiving. Did you know that you will have both happening? Some of you will be receiving people and giving. Some people will be coming into people's homes. You are actually being participating in hospitality that way. Hospitality has this neat dual language of giving and receiving. So let's look at Jesus' direction and instruction, and let's grow in hospitality. Do you want to grow? I love growing. So this is what Jesus says. How can we open our door? How can we learn to go against maybe even our culture and maybe even the challenges that we have in our society to become open doors? Well, the first thing Jesus starts off giving a little direction, he says, start locally. Start locally. He says in the first, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he sees these people and he says, listen, I want you to do this. I would like you to practice with the church. Practice on your brothers. Who were these people that he was talking to? Who were these disciples? They were Jews. And so he's saying, I would like you to start with Jews. For our context, that we are all brothers and sisters, if we were to start, where would we start? Jews. No, 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 no. We start with other brothers and sisters. We start with the family of God, of just saying, this is an actual starting point. Because it's interesting that Jesus says, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to go to the Gentiles. I don't want you to go to the Samaritans. Is it because Jesus doesn't want, like, doesn't want to go there? No, that's not, that's not a possibility because we know his goal is that everyone would be. But he starts them locally. He starts them practicing on the church. Or for them, and they're, they're the people of God. And I love it because he says this, practice with the people you have connections with. You want to reach the lost? Start with maybe the lost that are with you. Did you how many of you know there could be lost people in the church? Go to the lost sheep of Israel. You ever felt like you're in church and felt lost? Well, you know, when we first came to the south, um, I have to admit we kind of felt lost. We've been in Gateway for, it's now 13 years, but we just arrived three years ago, and we are family, but I remember first coming here going, 
wow, this is weird. Like this is a whole, like the other part of the family I've never really met before. And we're getting to know each other. But I actually felt kind of lost. And the most amazing thing happened with you as a church. In that three years, and especially the first year, I was invited to more people's homes than I had been in all of the 20, now I'm at 23, in all the 20 years of ministry that I've ever been, I said, I can't get over it. These guys keep inviting me to their house. And I got to know them. But it was really bizarre because it actually shocked me. I thought, okay, one, I, I, I loved it and I felt lost, but now I'm feeling welcomed because I'm just simply being invited. But I also was rocked with this reality. Um, I've been doing this for 20 years. How come it, suddenly I came to this different place and I'm in everyone's home? I, I realized that hospitality isn't the norm of the church. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, <clears throat> wow. It doesn't happen natural. In fact, if you just do church, you could go 20 years and do it uh, with who? But what I did is I came into a body of believers that practice and value hospitality. Did you know that you need to value and practice hospitality? And this church, you do amazing. It was incredible that I just said, whoa, I like this. This is kind of family-ish. This is kind of neat. And yet, for how many years? You know what? I really meant, I just was the youth guy. And I spent, I mean, I, I did the practice in the hospitality with you. I had youth at our home. They were in every closet, every nook and cranny. I mean, they were amazing. We would stuff them in wherever. So I was used to that. But man, church? Who are those people? Unless, oh, they're a parent of a youth. Oh, okay, I kind of get to know them. Hey, Christopher, Carolyn, we know you because we registered your kids. But I suddenly realized this is what was amazing was when people that I would never think would suddenly, Ruth and David, hey, would you like to come to our house? Why? Why? Why would you? I loved it. I, I said, wow, this is a neat. In fact, it became very infectious because then I was like, I think we can do this, Nick. Well, let's ask other people. So we started to do that. We said, well, let's maybe ask, let's, who doesn't feel, maybe there's strangers, people who come here are new and we'll start inviting them. And you know what helped? Because really her parents modeled the same thing. Hospitality becomes infectious. Suddenly we started doing this and we're inviting people over I actually found it interesting in that it's not in my norm. It's not actually something that I do, but I'm finding that I have more people over than, than ever because of you. But this is the icing to the cake. In our first year that we're here, we're meeting different people, and I started talking about how we're meant to be family and inviting other people. This threw me for a curveball. A couple just started coming to our church just very recently. Like they were just started coming. And all of a sudden, they turned to us. Rob and Lindsay said, would you like to come to our house? And the tables had spun, and then we were being invited to their house. In fact, they were inviting other people, and I thought, you've only been here like a month or two. What are you doing? Why are you inviting people? Something had got infectious about this. 
And actually, I think that's what it's meant to be. You want to actually share the gospel, start with hospitality. And when it gets in you and when you practice it, it becomes a part of you. It's actually infectious. It actually sends a culture where it's like, wow, I like that. I'll do that. How many of you would love to see the lost come to know Jesus? You practice hospitality. And I love it because you don't, if you, if you, if you can't do that, like maybe you're sitting there going, wow, I've been here for a while. I, have, I, have, I haven't been invited. Actually, you can be invited. You start it like Robin Lindsay. Would you like to come to our house? Through me for a loop. You've only been here a couple months. Start locally. So if you want to grow and open your door, start locally. The other thing, how does Jesus say, how can we open, how can we open the door in this hospitality? The second one, he says, live supernaturally. And, pro- and this is what he says in verse 7. And, pro- and proclaiming as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hospitality is moving the kingdom? Oh yeah, come on. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Now, how many of you feel that's a little bit of a pressure? Uh, Wait a minute, I just was signing up for hospitality. I wasn't thinking I'm casting out demons. (laughs) Like, what kind of kids are you bringing? (laughs) What kind of kids? Like... I wasn't set up for this. Like, I thought I was just going to maybe, you know, bring out some food. What kind of people are you having over? (laughs) But hosting people is supernatural. Because naturally, we only want to be with the people that we gravitate to. Naturally, you only associate with the ones that you care about. Naturally, you will have your family over. Naturally, you will have your friends over. Naturally, you associate with the people you have interest with. Supernaturally is when you will reach out to someone who is a stranger. It requires supernatural to do that because the natural isn't that. I mean, how many of you remember your parents telling you, don't invite a stranger in your house? And now you're going against your mother's wishes. Why would you go against your mother? The love of Christ compels me. It's when our relationship with Christ supersedes all other relationships and dictates to us whom we love. I love you not because you're blood or a relative or because we have similar interests or because of this. I love you because Christ is in you. That's supernatural. In fact, it's that love that, I, that allows me to open doors to you. What if you need healing? Well, that even makes it more exciting. Because I'm already operating in the supernatural. What if demons are harassing you? Well, I'm already operating in the supernatural. Because I'm naturally doing what's supernatural, the supernatural comes natural. Wow, that was cool. Say that again twice. Because I'm doing what's natural to supernatural, the supernatural becomes natural. And that is just a part of life. It actually is what we're supposed to operate like. What if demons are are harassing? Pray. 
the writer of Hebrews connects hospitality with the supernatural. In Hebrews 13, he says, let brotherly love continue. But then he throws this little curveball that is amazing. He says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for therefore or thereby some have entertained angels. Thank you. Think about it. When you decide to engage in, in, in hospitality, you can operate in the supernatural and you could actually have an angel. I actually heard of a story where a person was walking down the street and they saw this hooded figure. They're sitting on the, on the, on the side and they thought, and something compelled them to give them money. And normally, I, again, it's this, they felt this compulsion and no word of a lie, they said, I, I just want to give this. And the person said thank you, took it. But when they pulled their hood off, they saw Jesus. And they just started to weep. Like they said, this is, a, this is what I believe looks like Jesus. They started, they weeped, they closed their eyes, woke up, guy was gone. Gone. And said, did I just literally see Jesus? Now imagine this, if you think about hosting and that. Did you know that today, as we were talking about, uh, Lucy says, oh, by the way, I had this picture of, a, of, a, of there was uh, dark stuff going on, and I saw Jesus come in. Imagine this morning that Jesus actually walked in this place. Would it not change the atmosphere? Because it's not, he actually did walk into this place, but we didn't see it. Because our eyes are so attuned to the natural that we don't see the supernatural. And we could miss on entertaining angels. Isn't that cool? But we are so locked into the natural that we forget. God says, I'm supernatural. Besides, you will entertain an angel. Look, if Nikki comes over, isn't she gorgeous? He's an angel. Wow, you guys. Okay. It's our anniversary. We just got, like, we got married 23 years ago today. So she's an angel. She is an angel. The Hebrews talks about how this is what actually happens, but we are totally unaware of. Doesn't it change everything? What if that person on the street corner is actually an angel? What if... You invite somebody to your home and you're doing something that is completely supernatural. I have often wondered, what if a new person came in here and we just didn't know them, but they're actually angels? Ah, they're just people. I don't know. I'm just reading scripture. Don't, don't crucify me. Living supernaturally, this is what it looks like. Ezekiel 47 God talks about how it looks as there's a river. He said there's a river flowing from the altar. And in Ezekiel 47, it's this beautiful picture of how Ezekiel sees what God wants to do, a river flowing from the altar. And it just it went out from the altar, went out the, out the temple, and as it grew, it grew. It got actually stronger. And he said at first he walked into this water and it went up to his ankles. He was like, and this water is actually the Holy Spirit. It was talking about God's Spirit flowing from the altar. If we want to talk about supernatural, he was giving a picture of what it looks like. And then he said, you know, it came up to his ankle, or to his, his waist, sorry, and then it came up to where eventually he couldn't actually keep himself afloat. He was being carried along. 
If you want to live supernaturally, the best way I could describe it to you is this, whitewater rafting. If you've ever gone whitewater rafting, this is what it looks like to live and say, God, I'm going to let you have control. But there's some really neat things about it. If you've ever gone, it's, it's, it's cool because I've learned a lot. Living supernaturally, I'm going to use this illustration. Why? You see, when you go whitewater rafting, there are times when you got to work. you got to put that oar in because if you don't work, you're going to get dashed to the pieces to, against the rock. You're just gonna, you've got to work. How many of you know you've got to work in the kingdom? Did you know when you walk with hospitality, sometimes it'll feel like work? And <laughs> Carolyn's like, absolutely. But you know, when you go whitewater rafting, sometimes it's not all work. In fact, if that's is, you get really tired really quickly. There are moments that when the water will change, and what happens is you just get into a place where the water's calm, but a little shallow, so you can't go swimming. And at that point, it's time to rest. You put the oar down. You just sit and soak in the rays and just rest. And it's very important to rest because what happens when you don't rest, Aaron? You get tired. You get tired. If you're following supernaturally in the river of God, there is moments when God says, put down the oar, rest. It takes a lot of courage to do that because, man, if you love productivity and you've got to keep going... But there's another part to the river that you have to step into. The fun part. See, the river will get to a place where it's a little bit open, but a little more deeper. And at that point, you go swimming. You start splashing your neighbors. You've got to have fun. And the reason is, if you don't have fun, when the, when the next journey comes up, which is work, you really wish you had. Because when it's when you're having fun, you actually get life. Did you have fun today at church? See, I think sometimes if it's, we will mess that up. Sometimes we think, well, fun is rest. Actually, no. It's knowing the difference too. There's those times when it's hospitality can actually be lots of fun. And it's meant to be fun. When you're shooting a breeze in the backyard with an open fire and just cooking marshmallows and hot dogs, it's fun. It doesn't even feel like work, but it rejuvenates you. Some of you need more fun, just saying. The pastor is saying you can have fun. I give you permission. How else do we grow? How, we want to grow in opening a door? Well, live supernaturally. Well, how else can we open, well, open our door? Well, don't worry about provision. I love this. He says, you received without pay, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Keep this idea that, because I don't know about you, I, I, please forgive me, I'm going to preach to myself. I'm not preaching to you anymore. How many of you worry about finances? I'm putting my hand up, you can see, I'm confessing in front of you all. How many of you this week asked this question? We need to make sure our spending is okay. Now, for any of you that are massive, amazing, incredible spiritual people who have gifts of faith and never ask that question, then 
you are, you are so blessed because I find that I, when it comes to hospitality, sometimes I'm always fretting going, how are we going to afford this? How are we going to do this? Man, you have eight people coming over to the house and I have three boys. That is a small militia. How are we ever going to feed everyone? Doesn't that sound like the Lord's journey with his disciples? He takes a bunch of his disciples, takes them out even on the desert. He takes them to a place where he's like, and he's teaching them, and they go, okay, send them away. Send them away. Can't we just let them go and go home? They're going to die. They need some food. Yeah, yeah, you feed them. Hold the truck. There's 5,000. Okay, I did not sign up for who's coming for dinner for 5,000. I did not. I'm telling you right now, that is not on the cards. Uh, I signed up for two because that's how many my, my kids will out-eat all of you. No, just joking. When we ask this question, we often, we're, when we're being hospitable, we can be tempted to look at our lack. But Jesus, Jesus wants to show his provision. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't worry about provision. God knows what you need. And I love this quote from Hudson Taylor. God knows what your provision, but this, look, this is Hudson Taylor, the greatest missionary, well, one of the greatest. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. I'll tell you why this is amazing. This is our Holy Spirit amazing thing that Nikki and I are going through. Nikki loves gardening. She loves gardening, and she says, I want to have a garden. I'm like, honey, we can't, well, how, and again, fretting about finances, whatever. She goes, well, you know, I think God was, now, I found out why she's doing this, because she wants to have some vegetables and things like that. She loves gardening, gets a joy out of it, but I suddenly realized she's going to have more people over, and we're going to have to feed them. And vegetables, wow, we got fresh vegetables. Well, so she does this. She says, I believe this, but would God really care about me getting a garden? So she starts doing this, well, you know, when we did that little Holy Spirit Kijiji thing, she goes, oh, maybe I'll be so bold and I'll ask God for a garden. I'll, she put it really sneaky. She goes, I'll have some wood, please. I'll have a yard of soil, please. I'll have uh, this, please. Oh, and you know what? I'll throw in a really crazy one. I'm going to ask for a fridge so I can put the food in. She got her entire list. Her entire list. And it was like God rebuking me saying, you of little faith, if you're meant to be a hospitable people, I will provide. I will provide. Stop fretting. Don't worry. Don't be worried. Do not the lilies of the field, don't they get clothed? I look after them. In fact, I, 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 they might look good, but I care way more about you. Don't worry about provision. And the final thing, how can we grow in opening the door? Don't worry about provision. That's how we can open the door. Well, also, how can we open and grow in opening the door? I love this. This is the best one. Don't worry about being received. Verse 12, he says, As you enter the house, so this is all of us getting ready for, look, guess who's coming for dinner, okay? This is the 101 for hospitality. Here we go. As you enter the house, greet it. So what do you have to do? Greet. Greet, hello. And if the house is worthy, and if you're coming to my house, it will be worthy. Just saying, okay? Let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet and leave that house or town. 
You see, there's a reality when you open up your home or let people in, you'll have to deal with the anxiety of what if. What if they don't like what we have to offer? Have you ever had that? Do you ever feel like, I'm worried that I'll actually be received? Will they actually like this? Maybe you're worried, of, will we offend them? Or will we have anything in common? Or what if it's those socially awkward no- moments when Norm says something and I have to go, oh, just forgive my husband. Oh, just, you know, let it go, let it go. Jesus says this about when you're worrying about being received, when you're opening the door. He says the anchor is peace. Let your peace come upon. Do you have peace this morning? As a guest or a host, be at peace. Be at peace. This, this, is, this is the way we're supposed to operate as Christians. My peace I give you. How can we be at peace? Well, this is the neat thing. He ties it in with something. He says, if you want peace, there's a way you deal with it. Don't deal with the burden of judgment. I never tied that in. When I was reading a scripture, he goes, shake the dust. But, you know, and even, it's funny, we, didn't, we missed the one verse where he says, you know, it'd be, just let him be because, you know, it'll be worse for them than it would be for Sodom and Gomorrah. If they didn't receive you, it'll be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah. God's like saying, don't worry about judgment. Don't worry about it. I am the God who takes care of when people don't receive. I'm the judge. Stop judging. Stop freaking out about what's, how is this and that. Stop putting the judgments. All you need to know is let him be the judge. And who is that ultimate judge? God. And I love that story because this is, if you think about it, when he says it'd be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah. If you know the story in Genesis chapter 18 and 14, this is how it starts off. Abraham is visited by God and God has two of his angels with him. And guess what Abraham does? Abraham says, God, can I be hospitable to you? Can I prepare some food for you? God does not need food. But he says, I just want to fellowship with you. It starts again. Abraham says, I want to be, I want to be hospitable to you, God. And God says, sure. And as they talk, it's amazing. God reminds them of a promise and says, by the way, next year you will have a child, Sarah. She laughs. She's like, okay, I'm 99 years old. This is crazy. And he goes, don't laugh. I can make it happen. But the story continues when he says, should we tell Abraham who's fellowshipping with us what we're going to do? And he He says, by the way, we're going to Sodom and Gomorrah because we heard of their wickedness and I want to see for myself. What happens is this. Abraham goes, wait a second, Lord. Are you going to wipe out everyone? You can't do that, Lord. What an interesting conversation. Lord, don't wipe them out. Lord, have mercy. In fact, if you find 50 people, will you save it? If you find 40, it goes on, the story. Abraham, because I'm so merciful, if there's 10 people in this town, I will save them. Abraham starts by being hospitable to God, gets the mercy of God, 
to try to save a whole city. And in fact, Lot comes along. The angels come in. We're here to check this place out. What does Lot do that saves him? He's hospitable. No, no, don't stay out here. Come into my home. And it saves his whole family. Don't worry about the judgments. Don't worry. In fact, you want mercy? Let it be God. Let God deal with. If, even if you're not received. So, how do you grow in opening your door? We want to go. First thing we need to do is this. It starts locally. What else do you need to do? Well, it needs to start by being supernatural. It needs to be supernatural. You, you can't do this on your own. You also need to, don't worry about provision, but also don't worry about being received. I'd like to pray for you. How many of you want to grow in reaching the lost? Adding to the family? I do. Father, I thank you for this, this morning, for the challenge you've given us to, to guess who's coming to lunch. But Lord, there's, a, there's another current that you're bringing us to of how do we, Lord, grow in opening our door? How do we grow in going to reach out to the, those that are meant to be a part of our family, your family? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning that you, you give us direction. Lord, I want to pray for that, Lord, as we would start today, you would shift something so that we actually love to host, increase our culture of hospitality. And Father, I want to ask that you would do something amazing. You'd make it supernatural. There's some people here today that need joy again. Or Lord, they need a rest. Or Lord, today they're, they're just getting their hands in and ready to work. But you know them. You know where everyone is. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, give them what they need as they step into your river. Lord, I want to pray for provision through this, and I also pray, Lord, take away the fear of what it means of responses. I just thank you for this day. In your precious name, amen.